Hello everybody and welcome to an abbreviated and solo edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. It has been a very, very busy week for the boys and as a result, well here we are, all by our lonesome. Uh, Endo Mills has been a very, very busy man in that he uh, he, he is a rent-a-goalie essentially in the Toronto area and has been incredibly busy. I'm shocked he hasn't told me that, oh, yeah, I got hurt tonight because I've overdone it because he's been playing a ton. And at the same time, Mr. Sin for the win, not only incredibly busy, you know, out there hitting the road in terms of playing as many shows as he can to promote his music, but he and I have also been incredibly busy uh, with our obligations with uh, SportsGamer, SportsGamer.gg, of course, uh, in our eSports commentary for competitive NHL 22 sixes play. Of course, that is the reason for he and I going to Finland in roughly two weeks. Sin does leave in like two weeks, and I'll be not that far behind him as of... Man, that's crazy to think that this is the last day of May already, but I will be uh, literally... Yeah, two weeks from today. <laughs> two weeks from today. Uh, I will be. Uh, I will be on a plane to Finland. That's absolutely exciting but horrifying at the same time <laughs> anxiety is a bitch everybody let me tell you uh but that said i still wanted to get a show out there for all of you simply because uh, there was so much to talk about and if we were to wait until like a thursday or friday show it loses that much more relevance because again our last show was on thursday we had to do it a day early so i still wanted to get these talking points out there maybe later on in the week if we get the both of the boys back on the show i will give them an opportunity to kind of touch up on some of these topics especially the playoff topics which will still be relevant at the time so no viewer questions we're going to be able to get right down to business with this show and there are a couple of topics that i want to talk about that are more in a uh, generalized category as you know, opposed to just getting right into the playoffs. Uh, and the first one is, and it's funny because this certainly um, impacts, I think, all three of us on the show, the retirement of Jason Spezza at 38 years old. Obviously for Endo, it's it's very relevant with him being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and kind of knowing the, the presence that Jason Spezza was and the impact he had on the Leafs in such a short amount of time and knowing that he is now going to transition over to a, you know, behind the scenes, you know, front office role with the Leafs. And then, you know, for Sin and I, just huge, huge fans of, of the Sens, you know, I mean, Jason Spezza was one of my favorite players, you know, especially from his days in Ottawa, and very much the same. I, I don't know too many hockey fans that don't have, I mean, unless you fell victim to them, I don't know how many people don't have an appreciation uh, for, of course, Spezza, Heatley, and Alfredson, and, and what that line was able to do when nearly leading the Ottawa Senators to a Stanley Cup. Uh, and Spezza was still, you know, a relevant player, certainly good enough to play and all the credit in the world to him too. He, he retires on a day where there's no game, so he doesn't take attention away from the actual hockey, but finishes with a 1,248 games played, 995 points. So close yet so far to that mythical uh, 1,000 point mark. And he has one hell of a resume, one hell of a reputation. You know, people, I think, will debate whether or not Hall of Fame or Hall of Very Good. I think it would formally be the latter, but 
you know, I certainly don't say that as an insult, that the idea that he finishes in the Hall of Very Good, uh, you know, not too many players do ultimately uh, finish in that category with that prestigious of a career. So I could wax poetic about Jason Spezza for a long, long time. I won't be surprised, of course, if his number gets retired in Ottawa, you know, after spending, what was it, 13 seasons there up until 2014. I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, And now there's not too many players left. I think there's literally two guys left from the 2001 draft that are both still playing. I think it's Craig Anderson and, oh God, it was another goalie as well. But it just goes to show how ridiculous... Um, how ridiculous that is. And in terms of that 2001 draft, Jason Spezza uh, leads the way in terms of points all time. You know, Ilya Kovalchuk will be a what-if had he stayed uh, in the NHL, but it just goes to show just how damn good Jason Spezza was. Another thing I wanted to talk about, details of the proposal the Arizona Coyotes are apparently going to send out with the city of Tempe, Arizona. First and foremost, massive, massive project that obviously includes the arena, uh, a, you know, a music venue, office space, residential units, a hotel. Like it's it's a massive, massive idea. It's the idea of like literally the ground that they want to build on right now is being used as a landfill. <laughs> no taxpayer dollars are on the line. Now, there are like tax breaks and shit like that, but they're not outright asking for any financial support whatsoever to build this place. Hello, Calgary. Are you listening? Uh, This is a gigantic win-win for both sides. And essentially, I mean, number one, again, not the Gila River Arena is bad, but it's just not an ideal place to be able to get you know, the most out of that area, as we've talked about a ton. We talked about that a year ago uh, when Deej was still on the show and we had Deke Slayer on and he talked about just the location of this. Like that is really the the biggest issue is just the location of it. And there's also rumors that the basketball team for ASU could end up being a tenant. So the idea of all of this really comes down to, like, right now, everyone's like, oh my god, the Coyotes, they're getting bent over by ASU. Right now, the idea is, if, you know, the Coyotes scratch ASU's back right now, and then ASU is helped out by the Coyotes in the long term. It's a win-win for both sides. I would be shocked, based off of the details that are out there right now, to see this fail. If it does, I can't imagine it fails more more than once. Like, this... This is likely to happen. So again, for anybody who's like, oh my god, the Coyotes, they need to move. This passes, they're certainly not moving. And again, if they were to move, um, you know, would they go to where you want them to move? Probably not. At the end of the day, they're not going anywhere. Ten years from now, if they're not filling this arena in Tempe, I will gladly admit that I'm wrong. Uh, Coyotesintempe.com has basically all the details, uh of what is being proposed, the whole virtual tour of what's out there. And yeah, no, this place looks like it would be absolutely incredible. So time will tell, but I imagine very much that that's going to pass. Uh, Saw a headline, Martin St. Louis and the Montreal Canadiens. The unsurprising of the team is, quote, working on keeping him with the team. How the hell have you not re-signed him already? (laughs) 
Like, I don't know if he's asking the Habs for that much money or what, or if the Habs are doing their due diligence with other coaches. I think that fan base would riot if uh, if he wasn't brought back. So I just saw that headline on NHL.com, and I'm like, huh, I thought they already signed him. What the hell are you doing? Get the job done already. couple other things uh, in a less positive one. Uh, remember the name Mitch Miller? You know, the douche. That was never apologetic for his actions. Drafted by the Coyotes. They give up his draft rights. Goes to the USHL. Yeah, he was just named USHL Player and USHL Defender of the Year, I believe, for the Tri-City Storm. Again, if you're talented enough, you'll always get a chance. Uh, there, there's your negative note of, uh, or one of your negative notes of like, yeah, no, people people don't give a shit if you're talented enough at something and can make, make the money in the process. Uh, same thing with the uh, Hockey Canada controversy, as, you know, I kind of alluded towards that in the last show, and I'm not going to go over the details that's out there. Obviously, Rick Westhead and TSN at the forefront of this, but you have agents who are rushing to clear their players' names, so literally it's people are damn well determined to know who this involved, and I'm sure that information will come out eventually, and... What happens, if anything? Who knows? But even if it is a, a super talented player, aside from them getting booed, is anything going to change? No. Especially if, obviously, if they're still good enough to have made the NHL, a team will still use them. That's just how it works. So there's your negative side of things for this. And potentially a negative for some people. Uh, Alex Radulov announced, uh, pretty or pretty much all but announced, that he'll be going back to the KHL. Uh, no real surprise there, as most Stars fans will tell you, the wheels kind of fell off for Radulov. But on a more positive note, with women in hockey, uh, Angela James, who was a Hockey Hall of Famer, she was named the GM of the Toronto Six. It's their third GM in two years, so I don't really know what's going on there, but that's a bit scary. And uh, Megan Dugan has been promoted by the Devils after one year with the organization. She is now their Director of Player Development and will oversee all organizational plans, developmental staff, scheduling, on and off ice evaluations for AHL players and team prospects. Fucking awesome. And we are continuing to see people get these positions that they are more than qualified for. Tremendous. Before we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, I wanted to mention this because it's a big deal to a lot of people. I can't say it's a gigantic deal for me, and I think a lot of people in general, but the IIHF World Championships hosted in Finland, and the hosts win gold over Canada. And that sound you hear is all the Canadians yelling, yeah, because of the refs. Because the refs are the sole reason they were down 3-1 to one and then lost in overtime. Yeah, but he dove in overtime. Kill it off, man. Officiating sucks everywhere. You gotta get to the point. I'm, I'm saying this as a Bruins fan who, yeah, used to complain about it. you got to get to the point where you're just like, okay, fuck it, whatever. The refs are going to be shit. Focus on what the team could have changed, and you will live a happier life, I promise. I, <laughs> I have Facebook memories pop up, for God's sakes, of like, oh, hey, here's me 10 years ago being like, these fucking refs suck back when I'm still in high school. Nothing's changed. It's not going to change. You can only focus on what the team could have done better, and going down 3-1 to Finland for Canada... It's pretty much the reason why they lost. Um, awesome moment, though, to see Finland win it as the host. You know, I kind of wish I had, I had been there two weeks earlier to take part in uh, just watching that in person. Will note, um, you know, like I said, it, it's not the biggest thing here, and obviously it's because the Stanley Cup playoffs are ongoing. 
I do respect the fact that it is a big deal to so many people, but especially for, for me as an American, uh, Team USA lost their 11th straight semifinal game at the World Championships. They have not won in a semifinal game since the IIHF introduced the playoff format in 1992. They literally have not lost for, or have not won in the semifinal for longer than I have been alive. And you wonder why it's not really a big deal here. And most Canadians probably didn't give a shit until Canada was in the gold medal game. And then, no, oh, we got screwed. No, oh, whatever, it's not a big deal anyway. Like, it's that, it's that type of attitude. But for Finland, awesome. Especially, you know, seeing a lot of the celebrations, Valtteri Bottas. Uh, for the bronze medal as well, the U.S. ended up losing that game to Czechia, who were in their first medal since 2012 at this tournament. Like I said, I don't make light of it just because I personally don't really care about it or choose to focus on the Stanley Cup Finals instead. I just don't really have time to follow it. But... End of the day, uh, what I did get to see at the tournament was pretty damn cool, right? And, I mean, it's a it's a cool mix of getting to see players that you don't get to see all that often playing with NHL-caliber talent. Um, and, obviously, too, it leads to a lot of David Krejci rumors because he and David Posternock look fucking amazing together because, of course, they did. Of course they did. With that, let's talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs in a general sense. Of course, we had the podcast Bracket Challenge. My bracket's officially a mess. I got one of the final four right. And, uh, you know, at least I'm not the only one who's down bad here. Wayne Gretzky had a perfect first round and had a completely incorrect second round. So me and Wayne doing terribly uh, <laughs> at the bracket challenge. And when I mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, five minutes ago probably that, you know, some information doesn't, you know, stay all that relevant for all that long. When I say that the Edmonton Oilers beat the Calgary Flames in five, doesn't that feel like forever ago? And it was. It, it was last Thursday, which is an eternity in modern times, but the Oilers do beat the Flames in five games. There was the called-off goal, which, man, I, I, at this point, just, there's an argument for both, and it's because the way the rules are structured. Um, it is what it is, Flames fans, I'm sorry, but it is what it is, and let's be honest, again, they were down 3-1 to one in the series. That series was lost before that called-off goal. Jacob Markstrom allowed 6.75 goals above expected in five games in that series. I am not outright blaming Jacob Markstrom. That is a defensive issue, but that is also very, very much a goaltending issue, which is very surprising. I think Daryl Sutter, you know, in the media was kind of talking about everything that he possibly could without actively throwing the team under the bus to try and build up just that little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of motivation for them. And, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. They ended up falling short. I do want to mention something, though, when talking about the series, because Edmonton, obviously, I can talk about in a little bit since they are moving on to the Final Four. Um, for Calgary, a big part of this were, uh, were or was, let's go with a big part of this story, uh, were the injuries uh, sustained by a lot of people on the team, especially the defenders. Nikita Zadorov played the entirety of round two with three fractured ribs, and Chris Tanev, as I mentioned on Twitter, played with a torn labrum, separated shoulder, and a sprained neck. That, and he has subsequently had surgery. Uh, those are injuries that you would expect to see from someone who was in a fucking brutal car accident. Yet he still played. And you still cannot convince me that whoever the 12th forward would have been, if it was like Ryan Carpenter or somebody, or whoever the other defender would have been, like a Yusuf Alamaki maybe, you can't convince me that them at about 100% would have been worse than Tanev at 50% or below. You cannot convince me that. And 
I've uh, mentioned a lot of stuff about Craig Berube on this podcast, but uh, he talked about this in regards to Tori Krug, saying that um, he could have played in Game 6 and definitely would have been in for Game 7. He was quoted saying it was a tough call, he was ready, he could have played, but I just didn't think it was worth it at the time. Really kind of alluding towards the fact that he didn't want to risk, like, he made the smart decision for Tory Krug. Tory Krug, fucking warrior guy, would have gone out there. Was that the smartest move for him and the team? No, so Barube didn't play him. You know, Craig, I don't owe you a complete apology, but at the same time, you earned a little bit of my respect for that because that is the proper attitude. It absolutely is. Uh, you know, thinking not only of just, well, I got to win, I got to win, it's my job, I got to win. Thinking about what is actually best for the team and what is best for the individual themselves, when obviously the player is just going to be like, oh, I don't care if I can't walk in five years, but i, I got to win a Stanley Cup right now. And obviously we had that conversation on the podcast not all that long ago about, you know, the toxicity and how backwards uh, that aspect of sports culture is. But Calgary elected not to do that, and they fall short, and it's... It's a little bit surprising. I mean, Johnny Goodrow was over a point per game. You know, Kachuk and Lindholm, they were all kind of solid. It's just, I don't know, it's interesting. Like You can go through the point totals for Calgary. End of story is just defensively in the goaltending. It was not up to snuff. The drastic difference in save percentage that I had mentioned on the last show with Sin of, of how bad Markstrom's numbers were compared to round one. Just a rough, rough time for Flames fans because especially now they move into this off season. No first round pick, obviously. RFAs, Manjapani and Kachuk. UFA is headlined by Johnny Goodrow, obviously. Callie Yarncroak, who was a deadline pickups in that mix. Um, you know, defensively good Branson Stone and Zadorov. Sheelington's an RFA. They have some big damn big damn decisions to make. And to be honest, it feels like they're right back where they were uh, heading into the season is well, what's next? Except now you don't really have the ability to trade Johnny Goodrow and you might lose him for nothing. So I have no idea what to expect from the Calgary Flames now moving forward. Uh, Flames fans, I wish I had a little bit more optimism, almost a week removed from the elimination, but I I don't, really. I, I don't know what the answer is going to be exactly for them. And then there was the other matchup, which was Colorado eliminating St. Louis in six. Of course, the Avs blew it in game five. They do win it in game six. Darren Helm scores the winner of five seconds left, which was insane, to help Colorado reach their first conference final since 2002. For the Avs, obviously we'll talk about them a little bit more. Uh, For the Blues, already announced that they're not really planning on making any uh, major changes with the team. You know, in terms of their situation ahead with what they have. I mean, you know, the missing second-round picks over the next two years, that's not a big deal. Tyler Bozak and David Perron, both UFAs, uh, as are Nick Letty, Callie Rosen, and Billy Husso, RFAs, Mikola, and Perunovic. So they have some deals to worry about, and of course, whether or not they keep Vladimir Tarasenko, who's entering the final year of his deal, so was Ryan O'Reilly. It is a really interesting time for the Blues and kind of what their direction is uh, moving forward. But for the most part, the conversation isn't about like, oh, how they fell short. And oh, well, I mean, you know, you do have the talk out there about, well, what would have happened if the injuries weren't there and and so on and so forth. But at the same time, so much of the conversation, I'm sure as he loves it to be, is surrounding Jordan Bennington, uh, Jordan Bennington, 
who um, was asked about the Kadri water bottle incident. And um, here, I'll just read this. This comes from Jeremy Rutherford, who was a Blues uh, writer for The Athletic. Uh, I Quote, I went back to get my knee checked out mid-game. I was coming back to the rink. The game just ended. Walking down the hallway, I couldn't find a recycling bin on my way down the hallway. Uh, right before I walked into the locker room, I see Kadri doing an interview, smiling and laughing, and I'm there in a knee brace limping down the hallway. I just felt like it was a God-given opportunity. Okay, look. I get it. If you're, if you're a Blues fan, or maybe if, if this even appeals to your sense of humor, it, it's good for a couple of yucks. The end of the day... I'm sorry, but I, I I mentioned it on Twitter like this, and you can disagree. You did something stupid. You're covering it up with the sarcastic response that equates to I was trolling. Wasn't that funny? Aren't I, aren't I a stinker? Like I give the Blues credit for making it to round two with a 12-year-old. You could argue whether or not some of his antics are that far separated from Brad Martian, and maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical, I don't know. But at the same time, just, like, it didn't work, Jordan. It didn't work. Like, that was your idea of of what? Like, trying, like, playing head games? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. And the funny thing is, it wouldn't be... A lot of people are like, why are people even talking about this? It's not even a big deal. It's a water bottle. You're acting like you threw a grenade. At the end of the day, nobody would really be talking about this in a sense had you just not done it because there was enough going on surrounding the cadre stuff because of the fucking racist shitheads online. Like I said, you might find it funny to be like, oh, my God-given opportunity to throw the bottle. I just view that as, like, how fucking immature is this guy? It, like, what? and again, you might just be like, oh, he's just fucking around. He's still trying to, like, that's just what he does. He tries to get in their heads and just say, like, yeah, it was fucking stupid. I was mad. That's all you got to say. It was stupid. I was mad. It's okay, Jordan. We all do stupid things and we all get mad. He's, it's just, he comes off as an abrasive douche who, uh, you know, I talked about how he probably self-motivates by being a douche, but in moments like this, when you don't win, it comes off as you being very, very soft. Easy to say from the comfort of my chair, I'm sure, but I'm sorry, that's how I read it. So we'll see what happens for the Blues moving forward. Like I said, some big decisions. And then the final first-round matchup that ended, the New York Rangers have beaten the Carolina Hurricanes. The Boston Bruins died for this. Rangers fans, I believe you. I said, you know, you got past Pittsburgh. Let's see you get past Carolina. If you do, I will believe that you are legit. You are legit. You have earned my respect. This team is legit. They are in the Final Four. For good reason. Chris Kreider, in terms of goals in elimination games, my God, his 14th career goal in that scenario. Only behind Marc Messier, who has 16, and then tied for 15th are Yager, Maurice Richard, Gilbert Perrault, and Justin Williams. He's literally on, almost on pace in terms of clutch playoff goals with Justin Williams, man. It's absolutely insanity. Uh, in terms of what happened in the game, obviously Game 7, while it was a route, was eventful. Uh, you had the Jacob Truba hit on Seth Jarvis, and look, this is another one of those incidents where I think you can view it both ways. Um, I view this as a hit. 
Is it a good hit or is it a bad hit? I don't know. It's a hit. Because this is the NHL. And they refuse, of course, to have black or you know, black and white clear-cut motives on this. Everything is a shade of gray. So in this NHL, in this version of the NHL, with the rules set the way they are, this Truba hit, yeah, it's a shade of gray. It's exactly how the NHL wants it. Um, you know, if, if you want to make an argument for this, that, or the other, if you want to make an argument of, like, well, Truba's been involved in more than a handful of these incidents, stuff like that, yeah, I, I, I can't necessarily disagree with you either way. It, it is one of those hits that's just, it's what it is. It's just what it is. I, you know, it's it's not fun to just be like, hey, let's talk about this for the thousandth time, you know? Even if I'm sitting here talking to myself at this stage. Uh, Auntie Ranta got hurt in Game 7. Jets end up winning. Jets end up winning it. The Jets really did end up winning it. They get the uh, Rangers' first round pick now for the Andrew Kopp trade. But let's be honest, the Rangers really won that because the Bruins could have used them. For the Rangers, we'll talk about them in a minute. For the Carolina Hurricanes, you fucking choked. And maybe I'm saying that as a salty Bruins fan, and I'm not saying that. I said this on Twitter as well. I'm not saying that to take anything away from the Rangers. You have to show up. You have to get the wins, and you did. But the Carolina Hurricanes fucking choked. And in my opinion, I labeled them the biggest frauds in the NHL. Yes over Vegas, who had a lot of injuries to overcome. And yes over Florida, who won the President's Trophy and got swept. This was the first year of, like, super cup expectations for the Florida Panthers. You could argue last year when they also ran into Tampa, but this year especially was the first year where people were like, oh, shit, Florida. Carolina has been picked since about 2019 as this is the team that's going to make it to the cup final. I watch a lot of Steve Dangle's content. I have for 12 years. Shout out to my... uh <laughs> shout out to a friend of mine from high school. She's unfortunately no longer around, so she will never hear that shadow. But I know it's a bit morbid, but it is what it is. Uh, she's the one who introduced me to Steve Dangle's content, despite being a Rangers fan. So I remember 2018, Steve Dangle, a lot of people on Sportsnet, TSN, everywhere. Carolina, Carolina, watch out for Carolina. And they've never gotten over the hump. They are the biggest frauds in the NHL. Canes fans will be mad at me because I'm a Bruins fan. I was rooting for you. <laughs> I was. I was rooting for you to be the ones. I viewed you more so than the Rangers as being the ones who could take out the Lightning if the Panthers didn't. Frauds. Absolute frauds. Especially Tony D'Angelo. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know what that team does next in terms of... I mean, yeah, they're probably joining a long list of teams that's just like, fuck it, let's have another kick at the can. RFAs include uh, really Martin Natchez, Ethan Baer, D'Angelo himself, uh, UFAs Domi, Niederreiter, Stepan, Trocek, Cole, and Smith. So, I mean, they certainly can have another go, but at the same time, it, it's when. When are you going to step up? When are you going to get this done? I don't know at this point. I genuinely don't know. So, <laughs> just uh, congrats again to Rangers fans. And, you know, in terms of talking about that series now coming up at Tampa, do I think the Rangers can win it? Yes. Do I think they will? Absolutely not. Like, it's still, despite the fact that, like I said, the Rangers have earned my respect, I still view this as, again, this is Tampa's cup to lose. And they are the favorites until someone proves me, proves me wrong by beating them on the ice. And I just can't imagine that happening. 
I can't. We'll see if the Rangers can do it. Igor Shesterkin had success against the Lightning this year. Undefeated, 958 save percentage with a shutout. Different animal, different monster in the playoffs. I view Tampa as the better team essentially across the board. Yes, the Rangers, though, do have the pieces in place where if they show up, they can go toe-to-toe, and and then who knows what happens. I mean, shit, the Rangers won all three games at home. Again, fucking Carolina didn't win a single game on the road. Absolute frauds. The Rangers could do this. I would be shocked if this goes seven. Surprised if it goes six. Let's see what the Rangers can do. I think, obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about it once Sen and Endor are back, hopefully later on this week. But Tampa is is the call until other, you know, proven otherwise. And then there's Edmonton and Colorado, which starts tonight. It's probably, uh, game one's probably already going on by the time you're hearing this. Incredibly excited for this. Edmonton as well. I still view them as a team with a lot of issues. But that offensive talent is just saying, screw it, we're done. We are carrying this carcass over the line. We'll see if they can get it done against Colorado, who are a team with issues of their own. We saw it against St. Louis. So I don't know who's going to win this. I'm super excited to find out. I still have doubts if they play Tampa in the finals that either one of these teams are complete enough to get the job done. Time will ultimately tell, but super excited for this. If I had to pick a winner, I think I would go Edmonton. And literally, as I am talking, the Oilers just made it one nothing in Game 1 with Evander Kane scoring. I just I worry about Colorado's defense. Not that I don't worry about Edmonton's. I just think Edmonton has that little bit extra offensive firepower. We'll see what happens. But with that, I will bring this solo show to a close. Didn't think we'd get about a half an hour out of it, but here we are. I hope you enjoyed it. We should be back later on this week with all three of us, and we'll have a couple of games to talk about from the opening games of the conference finals. As crazy as that is that we are already here. So thank you again for watching or listening. Granted, watching wouldn't have been all that interesting this time, but still, if you made it to the end of this, I appreciate you greatly, and we will see you later on this week.